and you're listening to Dream Infringement. That's right, Dream Infringement, featuring your favorite co-hosts, three-time gold medal championship winner of making eloquent spreadsheets, Jennifer! And also featuring two time silver medal winner in the uh, Olympic event of knowing a lot of random 90s trivia it's Bobby and one time gold medal medalist I don't know anything. Gold, gold medal medalist. Gold medal medalist for knowing how to spell things pretty well. <laughs> it wasn't even like... There's an event for that. Yeah. And it's me, Emily. <sighs> what are you doing, Bobby? I'm really uh, glad that you asked that question. Uh, Our cat is <laughs> uh, uh, very unhappy with these sounds right now, as am I. Uh, I'm just working on my muscles for this winter's Olympic Games. I ju- I'm going to compete. Mm. And I want to make sure that physically I can handle the very strict regiment that I'm going to be competing in. So I'm just pumping some iron working on my, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to really build my ankle muscles. The radio Olympics. Yeah. Yes. You need very strong ankle muscles for the radio. It's true. Something that I think you can maybe Uh, stop that now. Yeah. And pick it up later. Okay, I'll just I'll just drop my iron. Because it's radio show time. Okay, you're right. You're right. I got to get my head in the game. And you might know what our theme is this week by the Olympic song. And also the grunts that I was making. Right. I'm, I was pretty clear. Right. If you didn't know it from the Olympic song, it was probably Bobby's just over-the-top grunting (laughs) that tipped you off to our theme this week which is all about the olympics but not just the uh mainstream stuff yeah there's some weird stuff yeah in the history of the olympics some cool stuff some personally inspiring stuff yeah because like the olympics you know it's not just inspiring. It's a whole spectrum of experiences. That's right. And we're here to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. 
that's what we're doing. So we're, we try to offer this kind of uh, spectrum of perspective to you, the community. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, buckle up or don't. Uh, oh, chalk your hands. Chalk your hands. Get those chalk uh, things. Take another sip of your. Gatorade. Elect- oh, I was going to say oh, electro- electrolyte riddled uh sports drink sorry oh sorry (laughs) i i don't know if we if we make enough off of this show to be giving money to that uh particular brand particular brand that's for sure we're definitely not making enough to pay a Uh company yeah tighten your uh jock strap (laughs) (laughs) because things are about to get exciting yeah so to start things off, we're going to play a song that's going to really get you in the in the Olympic uh, frame of mind. If this intro didn't already do that. And that song is... You're the Best by Joe Esposito. Women were allowed to participate in the Olympics for the very first time in the year 1900. The organizers of the game were purported to write that they were revolted by the presence of women in the games. The main concern was that women's bodies when playing sports would serve as a distraction to the male athletes. So they were required to wear ankle length dresses with long sleeves and high necks. By the year 1908, they were allowed to show a little leg By 1912, they were allowed to start competing in swimming and sort of a loose unitard affair. And as the years passed, somehow it went from requiring women to be fully ensconced in a neck to ankle fabric dress to then being for some sports required to wear bikini bottoms and midriff bearing tops. So the story that I've been following is the Norwegian handball women's team and their fight for the right to add several inches of fabric to their outfits. The International Handball Federation's rules and regulations state that while male handball players are permitted to wear tank tops and shorts, female players are required to wear midriff tops and bikini bottoms. And the women's team would like to wear what basically looks like mid-thigh spandex biker shorts. If they compete wearing the shorts instead of the bikini bottoms, there is a fine of around $175 per player. The Norwegian team has decided that they would gladly pay the fine to wear the shorts in competition. The Norwegian team said the bikini bottoms are not practical in a sport that constantly sees players diving into the sand. Some have said that the requirements are simply degrading to women. We are overwhelmed by the attention and support from all over the world, the team has said, and we really hope this will result in a change of this nonsense rule. To my mind, there's literally no good reason they can't wear shorts. There's no unfair athletic advantage in wearing small spandex shorts instead of tiny bottoms. They're not laced with performance-enhancing magical handball skills. So what's the issue? The issue as I see it 
and this does not reflect on the opinions and feelings of KSKQ as a station, there are people who may not want to watch, endorse, or sponsor female athletes if they are more modestly clothed. Case in point, during the 2012 Olympics in London, Boris Johnson, who was mayor of London at the time, published a column in the Telegraph uh, titled, 20 Reasons to Feel Cheerful About the Olympics. One of his reasons was the semi-naked women playing beach volleyball. They are glistening like wet otters. The whole thing is magnificent and bonkers. Yes, bonkers for letting him publish such rubbish in the first place. But the fact that it wasn't problematic enough at the time and was published means that that could be the viewpoint that a lot of people have adapted about female athletes and what they're wearing. This is not a healthy or respectful way to talk about female athletes. It's not okay. So we'll see how this all plays out. But in the meantime, the singer Pink tweeted out that she was willing to pay the fines that the Norwegian handball team incurred. So of course we've got to play a Pink song. Two thousand fourteen was a notable year for the Winter Olympics, and it's not just because it cost over fifty billion dollars, and the people of Russia are likely to be paying this off for the rest of eternity, as it was the most expensive Olympics of Olympics ever. And it wasn't a notable year just because Meredith Vieira made history by being the first woman to host NBC's primetime coverage of the Olympic Games because the regular guy that did it got pink eye. 2014. That's how long it took for a woman to host the primetime coverage. (laughs) Uh, No, these are not the notable things that I came here to talk about. Four, it was the opening ceremony that captured the attention and hearts of all who watched the Sochi Olympics. Yes, it was none other than the Russian police choir that stole the show. You heard me right. Russian police choir. Now, when I think about the Russian police, which, to be fair, is not often, I certainly never think about them having musical talents. But... My friends, musical talents they have in spades. And yeah, let's give it a listen. Like the legend of the phoenix All ends with beginnings What keeps the planets bringing Ah, the force of the beginning So this is the Russian police choir singing 
their cover of Daft Punk's dance floor anthem, Get Lucky. And apparently this is not the only song that they uh, have performed. Um, They also performed a version of the James Bond theme, Skyfall. And if you get a chance to ever look at this YouTube video, you will see just a whole bunch of men, Russian men in their military police outfits. And I'll be honest, they look intimidating at first, but then once the song starts going, they are having the absolute time of their lives. They are very emotive as they're singing, they're smiling, they're like kind of swaying like there's some hip movement there and I think it was really good for me to see this because first of all it's very impressive I mean even just listening to them you can tell like they you can hear their accent a little bit but you can totally you know the song if you know this song you can totally hear what they're saying and you know what song it is and the harmonies are amazing and it kind of broke down a stereotype that I didn't realize I had, uh, which was that the Russian police might not be very much fun, Um, but not the choir. Apparently, the choir is having a blast. So this was a really cool little Olympic gem that I found. And the song I'm going to play is another cover by a Russian singer, and her name is Klava Koka, and she does some covers of pop songs that you might hear on the radio, and so this is her cover of the song Despacito. Hi, Bobby here. I'm here to talk to you about a team that dared to dream. And against all odds, they reached for those golden Olympic rings in the sky and inspired a nation, the world. And just under a decade later, me, at eight years old, in the 1993 Disney hit... Ready! Ready! Feel the rhythm! Feel the rhyme! Get on up! It's bobsled time! That's right, cool runnings. It was the dream of this Jamaican bobsled team that started with a homemade sled, a sun-bleached concrete track, and the ambitious dream of qualifying for the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, Alberta that brought us this incredible 90s kids pop culture staple. But what was the real story behind this inspiring comedy that would be one of John Candy's last movie roles and start another one of comedy's bests, Doug E. Doug. The team consisted of Devon Harris, Dudley Stokes, Michael White, Freddie Powell, and a last-minute replacement, Chris Stokes. We'll talk about that later. 
In the movie Cool Runnings, John Candy reluctantly takes on this group of Jamaican men to train them to be bobsledders. Originally, they were track runners, and he doesn't really believe that it's a possibility. And he actually competed as in a bobsled team when he was younger in the Olympics. Um, and then he got, got in trouble for, like, cheating and that's a real controversy. Everybody thinks he's this like washed up, um, just Olympian that is going nowhere. Uh, but he's able to inspire this team and slap the Disney filter on this story. And you got yourself an early 90s blockbuster. Am I right? Well, let's talk about the story behind it. One of the team, the actual team members, Devon Harris, he says, I remember saying to myself, recall, he was, he's recalling the time when, you know, when they were, were training to do this. I remember saying to myself, nobody could ever get me to go on one of those things. He's talking about uh, the bobsled. Uh, and he said, that's crazy. That's how uh, kind of against this particular uh, team member was, um, or just absurd it seemed. Um, but the journey began with a pair of uh, American businessmen. They were living in Jamaica, and they were watching this pushcart derby race. Um, and they got the idea to create a bobsledding team on a um, on, in Jamaica. Uh, they were like, "This can translate. I could, we can make maybe we can make this happen." So once they had the blessing of Jamaica's Olympic Association, they they patchworked together a team uh, through open tryouts and appeals to the members of the military. They went to the military, the Jamaican military, and were like, we really want to get um, some of your most athletic men to join in this endeavor that we have. Uh, None of the athletes had ever seen a bobsled before. And the team, they trained everywhere from the Jamaica Defense Force Base to Austria to Lake Placid to New York. And they used borrowed equipment and makeshift training facilities like grass and concrete tracks. So if you can imagine this like homemade bobsled that they're not using to practice on... They're not practicing on actual ice, which is ultimately where a bobsled um, is, you know, is pushed on in the Olympics. They're using grass and concrete to push this homemade bobsled on. So with their team together, something incredible happened. They qualified for the 1988 Olympics in Calgary, Canada, where they became a sensation for their island vibes and underdog story. Everybody wanted a piece of this Jamaican bobsled team. And this is different than the way that the movie Cool Runnings portrayed it because in the movie, they were really despised. People did not believe that they could ever win. They didn't support them. They were kind of treated like, like they just didn't belong in the Winter Olympics. But in real life, they were completely, totally supported. Okay, so after White and Dudley Stokes, Chris' brother finished 30th in the two-man event, 
the team decided in the middle of the Olympics that they would do something, something at that was, uh, I just, I, it, it's, it's totally, it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's wild. Are you ready? They decided in the middle of the Olympics that they wanted to field a four man bobsled team. What? I know. I know. This is crazy. It's, it's ludicrous. However, they were short one person, so they recruited Chris Stokes, Dudley Stokes' brother. Yes, Chris Stokes was just there for moral support, and they recruited him to be the fourth in their four-man bobsled team. And in three days, they taught him everything that he needed to know about pushing a sled. They said he didn't know much, but they only needed three days. But something happened on their third run of the competition. Something that would go down in history. Dudley Stokes, who had injured his shoulder on an earlier run, lost control of the bobsled. The team went spinning down the track at 85 miles per hour and they crashed. Chris Stokes recalls this. It was a violent hit. And then this doesn't feel normal, you know? The crash meant the team was disqualified, but they refused to give up. They got out of their bobsled and they walked to the finish line as the crowd roared. Harris says this about the crowd. That crash was the lowest point of the experience at that moment. And then they just lifted us up again. They buoyed us. I believe it's important to say this. That Jamaican bobsled team that trained their hearts out to get to the 1988 Winter Olympics lost. They did not win the gold. Yet, they inspired so many people and incited so much positivity with their actions and behavior after losing. And why is that? Well, I think that this scene in Cool Runnings between John Candy and Leon Robinson answers that question. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Coach. Yeah. I have to ask you a question. Sure. But... You don't have to answer if you don't want to. I mean, I want you to, but if you can't, I understand. You want to know why I cheated, right? Yes, I do. That's a fair question. It's quite simple, really. I had to win. You see, Therese, I'd made winning my whole life. And when you make winning your whole life, you have to keep on winning, no matter what. You understand that? No, I don't understand, coach. You had two gold medals. You had it all. Therese, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, You'll never be enough with it. After this event, all of them went on to compete in future Olympics. 
And they continue to support Jamaica's bobsled teams as the nation pushes forward in the Olympics, time and time again, still inspiring a nation, the world, and me, 33 years later. You big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing, We will, we will rock you. British diver Tom Daly is knitting his way through the Tokyo Olympics. Photos emerged of Daly knitting first a pink and purple dog sweater, then a human-sized white sweater with the Olympic rings on it. When not competing, he watches from the sidelines, and he knits. He said on Instagram that knitting has become his way of finding calm and mindfulness and it relieves stress. He even has a knitting account where he posts his creations that he sells to raise money for charity. Oh, One thing that has kept me sane throughout this whole process is my love for knitting and crochet and all things stitching, Daly said, showing off a knitted pouch he made to hold his new gold medal. As far as some other interesting things that athletes do, snowboarder Jamie Anderson likes to go and hug trees before it's her turn down the slopes. She had a bit of a challenge in the 2014 Olympics because there weren't any trees at the top of the course. Apollo Ono says, yes, I get nervous. I embrace it. It's natural. His trick for dealing with nerves is to obsessively yawn. Those yawns help get extra oxygen into his lungs, which is kind of like a breathing exercise and calms down his nervous system. And he isn't ashamed to admit that he does it because he likes it. Snowboarder Torin Yader Wallace said he's a little superstitious about the music he listens to while competing. The song and artist he's listening to on a losing run get cut from the playlist. One artist that was cut, he says, I don't listen to Taylor Swift anymore. The last time I did, I got a concussion. Coach Les Miles has an unusual approach. When he gets stressed, he'll eat some of the grass from the field. And he has stated that the grass at Tiger Stadium tastes the best. Well, I don't know that there's anyone else that will challenge him on that. Bears linebacker Brian Ehrlicher likes to spend a calm morning unwinding for an hour by watching his favorite fishing show on television. Once he gets to the stadium, he zones out and listens to music, and he always has a pregame snack of exactly two cookies before each game. Baseball Hall of Famer Wade Boggs really likes a chicken dinner, or chicken for every meal. He felt there was a correlation between his eating chicken and games with multiple hits, and so he has stuck to his diet of superstition. It said that his wife accumulated more than 40 chicken recipes for the 3,000 chicken meals she was tasked with producing each season. I don't know how that works out. Each season, that's a lot of chicken. So those were the articles I was able to find about some uh, pre-game, post-game, during-game hobbies and rituals. I'll be playing a song by Taylor Swift in honor of Torin Yader Wallace's concussion. But I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead, I do it all the time. I got a list of names and yours is in red underlined. I don't know. 
I don't know about you, Emily, but I am pumped up after listening to all of this content. Yeah, super pumped. Mm-hmm. After this, after this show, I'm gonna eat my Wheaties. I'm gonna lace up my name brand sports shoes, and I'm gonna hit the court and/or field. Right on man for some sports games that's i'm so uncomfortable i feel so i know you're not really gonna do that and this conversation where i have to generate enthusiasm for sports is making me say yeah wild things like right on man yeah Uh, and it should be noted that we are recording, doing a lot of like the recording for this show after a very long drive. So we're a little bit road fatigued, but I think that this is the best way to hear a show um, about the Olympics because, uh, you know, p- competitors, they have to be tired. Oh, yeah, they get tired, too. I mean, jet lag, that's a thing, right? Jet lag, just, I imagine, physically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, with the world conditions right now, a lot of us are unable to travel as spectators to the Olympics. So we've decided with our show that we would, since you can't go to the Olympics, we will bring the Olympics to you. That's right. Yeah. So here are some wild yet interesting facts about the Olympics. Well, the first fact might be a little bit of a disappointment. Oh. uh, Are you ready for this? I don't know if I'm capable of being disappointed in Olympic facts. Well, would it disappoint you to know that the gold medal is not actually made out of gold? It's made out of silver? That's it. What is this all for? Why am I doing this? I wonder what is the silver made out of bronze and the bronze is like made out of... The silver uh, nickel is silver is made out of it's tin foil. This they're oh, just that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah, the gold medal is not pure gold, and it has not been gold since the nineteen twelve Olympics. So mm-hmm. basically, it's an imposter medal, and it has approximately six grams of gold. <laughs> And that is what the Olympic uh, Charter has laid out in their rules and regulations and standards. This is great because um, when I make my own Olympic gold medal to lie and brag about having earned, I will know how to make an authentic one. All right. So thank you, Emily. Um, the medals for the Summer Olympics in Tokyo were made from 80,000 tons of recycled electronics. Oh my goodness. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I would imagine there's a lot of, here's, I have a fact to throw at you. Okay. Okay. At the Olympics, you think there's a lot of sweating involved? I would imagine. I mean, would you imagine? I'm feeling sweaty just thinking about Olympics. Well, it's good that you agree with me because would it surprise you to know that during the 2012 London Games, the Olympic Village required 165, I'm going to say that number again, 165,000 towels 
for a bit more than mm. two weeks of activity, that's a lot of sweat. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Are you out of facts? <laughs> no, I've got another one. Oh, okay. I've got one, which most of you know that the athletes in the ancient Olympic Games competed in the nude. In fact, the word gymnasium comes from the Greek root word gymnos, which means nude and explains my aversion to gyms everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, At, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we need to <laughs> elaborate. I won't. As such, the literal translation of gymnasium is school for naked exercise. Real nice. That's real nice. And you might be saying, you know, the human body is a work of art. Um, I would disagree it, with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now we know where you stand. With the human body. With the human body. You know what's a real work of art? Art. Uh, yeah, art. <laughs> art is is a work of art. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, the first Olympic drug suspension didn't occur until 1968 when Hans Gunner. Oh boy, they're gonna. He was Lil Genwal. That was his name. Lil. Yeah. Was that his rapper's name? No, he's he's Swedish. Oh okay. Um, he was a Swedish, but I think I read it like a rapper he was, name. He's a Swede. I read it like a rapper name, but Lil, that's cool. Lil Genwall. Yes. Okay, yeah. That may not be how it's pronounced. Pro probably not. I'm Take I, this pronunciation with a grain of salt. Please, please. Please do. So he was a Swedish pentathlete, and he tested positive for alcohol, of all things. He purportedly drank several beers before the pentathlon and was suspended from the competition. Incredible. Incredible. The things that our Olympians are able to accomplish under such uh, severe levels of intoxication is just astounding to me. I'm... He should have won another gold medal for being able to perform. What was he doing? Competing in? He hurdling? was in a pentathlon. Oh, okay. Running. No. Yeah. Well, that means there's like, like, five, like five different events. things. So running, swimming, swimming. horseback riding... <laughs> Juggling. Cycling. And juggling. And juggling, yes. Okay, that's five, right? Okay. Yep. Um, well, you know, the Olympics here on in, you know, in on planet Earth, right? That that's as far as it goes. Like planet Earth, well, it doesn't. It goes further. The Olympics goes further than planet Earth. In that wow. technically technically, uh an unlip unlit Olympic torch has also been taken to space several times. Ah. Why that has happened, I have no idea, but that's the fact. I thought you were going to say that they had extended the offer of being in the Olympics to the aliens. Yeah. Like they made a little message for outer space like if you're out there, you can come you can totally participate in the uh, Olympics. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith that, that humanity would would really extend like an open invitation to like otherworldly beings to compete against them if they thought that they could win well, against them. Maybe they should, and maybe that's the way to get to the aliens. 
maybe that's all they've been waiting for is to be invited to the Olympics. Okay, our final fact for the night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is about the youngest Olympian in the modern era, era and that is Greek gymnast Dimitrios Lundras, who competed in the 1896 Athens Olympics at the age of 10. And so here are some other young Olympian facts. At age 13, there's a, there was a springboard diver, Marjorie Gestring, and she was the youngest female individual gold medalist in history. So wow. there you go. If you're a kid, you can still be at the Olympics. Even if you're a kid, so there's no age limit. I don't know. I didn't fact check that, but <clears throat> maybe, yeah. probably. Yeah, and, and maybe you're an Olympic head and you're listening to this show and you're saying they are making a mockery of a sacred event. To that I say, I don't feel like we are. I feel like we are really, uh, truly, deeply grateful for the Olympics because in the dead of winter, when there's nothing to do, it is so fun to watch Al Roker make uh, dad jokes to Meredith Vieira whilst there are tiny female gymnasts um chalking their hands it's exciting and i wouldn't trade it for the world oh no one's asking you to please it's good i'm so glad well listeners i would like to award you a gold medal for being awesome yes and being the best uh fans of dream infringement that money can buy And we would like to extend an invitation for you to join us in our uh, athletic endeavors. Um, By athletic endeavors, I mean our radio show that will be airing next Monday again at 6 p.m. And so you can look us up on iTunes, maybe give us a listen on there, throw us a little review, little love. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud or look us up and see what our faces look like and our athletic bodies (laughs) on Dream Infringement and Facebook. I'm sorry, Instagram and Facebook by typing in Dream Infringement. Yes. Yeah. And don't forget to stick around for more KSKQ goodness that's right there's more with world music journey with sophia blanton please listen to it yep so have a good rest of your week yep we'll see you next week and we're gonna play you out with the most olympic-y song chariots of fire all right and your ears may be a little hot from listening to all of these hot takes and olympic stories so uh, make sure you ice them that's that's my you know my profession professional advice thank you dr bobby good night everyone i am not an actual doctor